Hey there, this is Ryan Suzuki filling in once again for AJ Venegas, who's still out on paternity leave, enjoying his uh, new uh, addition to his family. So you could be praying for him and look forward for him to return next week. Um, this week, we are joined by Pastor Danny Strange, who brought us a great message uh, in our Sacred Scandals uh, series about Rahab. Um, in Rahab, we learned that Rahab found the courage to change by trusting in the Lord. And the reminder to us is we have the same opportunity an opportunity to change, an cha- uh, opportunity to trust in God, even when times are hard. So with that, let's go deeper. Okay, Danny, thanks for joining us today. Uh, yeah, thanks for joining us. It's great to be back on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's going to be great. Well, we you did a great job this week. Why don't you give us a quick overview Where'd you, where'd we find us? Where'd we start? Where'd we, where'd we go? Where'd we end up? Yeah. So a sacred scandal is the series. If you're just tuning in, we are taking a look at each of the scandalous stories that have made their way into Jesus lineage. Matthew's genealogy. If you read Matthew chapter one tells us about Rahab, for example, this week, Tamar last week, Ruth, who we'll cover next week, Bathsheba, who we'll cover the week after that. And then of course, we know that Mary is the last woman in this line of Jesus bringing forth the Messiah. And so we've been looking at these stories from the Old Testament and discovering why God brought this scandalous story, saw fit to weave it in to the narrative of his son coming to visit us. And so this week, we looked at the Rahab story, which takes place from Joshua chapter 2 to Joshua chapter 6. And this, if you've heard the story of the battle of Jericho, where the walls came, a tumbling down, you know the story of Rahab. Rahab received the spies who were sent forth to kind of spy out the land and see if they could build some strategy for the conquest of Jericho. And she was a prostitute living in the midst of the city. She lived as an innkeeper of a brothel, most likely within the walls of the city. And so these spies from Israel came and visited her home. And instead of turning them into the authorities, when the king caught wind of the Hebrew spies, she actually hid them. It's similar, like an Anne Frank-style story, where she hides them up in the rooftop where they cannot be found by the king who wants to kill them, and then sends them back on their way with the knowledge that they came for. And so Rahab puts her own life at risk to save these Hebrew spies who are not part of her people, who are from a different religion. And we've realized that what Rahab did right was when she saw that judgment from God was coming towards her, she said, it's time for a change. And she was willing to give up everything to step on the right side of history and be part of God's people. And as a result... When her city was destroyed, she and her family were spared, and not only were they spared, but they were grafted into God's people, and she found herself as a great, 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 great grandmother of the Messiah. And so we talked about the beauty of submitting yourself to the Lord and saying, you know what? It's not too late. I'm going to make this change. I want to be on the right side of history. I want to be on the right side of God's plan for my life. That's awesome. We, we just this opportunity you kept bringing up was an opportunity for change. It's never too late to change. That God can be trusted um, with the power to bring change in our lives. And I was just thinking about the people in that room. Maybe some of the listeners right here is. I think a lot of times in our ministry when we're working with people, um, people know they need to make a change, but they feel incapable of making the change, or they feel stuck in making the change. Um, Just thinking about our folks, our listeners right now, like, what would you recommend to someone? How would you help someone? How would you counsel someone who feels stuck or incapable of making the change that they know they need to make? 
Yeah, I think of of different folks that I've talked to who have felt stuck. And, and sometimes, just to be honest, when we feel stuck, it's because we are. Right? We're stuck because we signed a contract and we can't get out of it. Or we're stuck because it feels like, man, I want to make a change in this marriage, but I, I'm part of this covenant and I'm not allowed to divorce my husband or divorce my wife. Right? Those are some of these competing factors where it feels like I just want to be done with this thing, but I gave my word and I'm stuck. Right? And so that's that's one case of being stuck. On the other side of things, sometimes people are stuck, not because they are, but because they feel stuck. Right? They, uh, they've been living this way for such a long time and they don't know how to live any other way or they've had this bad habit or they've, uh, whatever it is, God's invited them into something new, but they have no idea where to start. Right? Most of our changes are somewhere in the middle where since God's inviting us into something new, we don't know what the pathway looks like. It all looks scary and dark and mysterious. Uh, and we just feel like, I don't even know what to do next. Where do I start? And so I think depending on your situation, I think uh, part of what we can do is ask God for wisdom on what the next step might be. And we can talk a little bit about wisdom and how to seek it, Ryan, if you'd want to do that. But uh, I think a lot of times kind of we, we boil it down to, okay, where am I? Where is God calling me to be? And, and what is the next best step in the right direction? Because I do think sometimes the reason we feel stuck is because we can't see the next 30 steps, but maybe God is just revealing the next step. You know, I think of the Proverbs where it talks about God's word being a, a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. And I, I love that <laughs> scriptures don't say that God's word is like a spotlight that lights up the entire arena, right? But the God's word just lights up the path in front of you and shows you where to step next. And so I would say for anyone, for whatever reason you're feeling stuck, maybe the next step is to ask God for wisdom of, okay, what's the right next step towards this vision you've given me for the future? You talked about uh, wisdom, and yeah, I would like to dive more on that. I think that I was just thinking about James, brother of Jesus, and his his letter. He talks about praying for wisdom, that God will give wisdom to those who, who seek it. And so, yeah, what role does that play? You know, sometimes I think you're calling out this idea of sometimes we're trying to look for the solution, when instead God says, don't. it's not even just about the solution. Pray for wisdom so you can find what's next. Can you talk about wisdom and how it helps us with those with that change? Yeah, wisdom... I think James is the book that talks about, you know, there's two types of wisdom. There's, you know, wisdom from above, heavenly wisdom, and also there's wisdom from below. And you may have noticed this. I, I met with a guy a few months ago who was having trouble in his marriage um, and trying to work things out with his wife. And yet her wife had a bunch of friends who weren't Christian people. Actually, neither of these people were Christian people, but her, his wife's friends seemed to be bad influences uh, because as him and his wife were kind of working on their marriage and trying to make progress, all of his wife's friends would circle around her and say, you just got to ditch this guy, find a new guy, you know, date a bunch of guys, right? All these different things that I, as a pastor, think, no, that's all terrible advice. Uh, and so sometimes there's wisdom that we're getting from the community around us, the friends at work or, uh, you know, wherever it is that we shouldn't listen to, right? So there's two kinds of wisdom. Um, but then there's this heavenly wisdom that, that God has wisdom for us, and we got to figure out how to access that. And so I, I meet with people a lot who are looking for wisdom, and kind of what I, I share with them every single time is that God gives us a number of different ways to receive wisdom, yeah. or we can look in the word of God and see what is wise um, in the word. We can pray like James tells us, pray. If you lack wisdom, God gives to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. You can pray and ask God for wisdom. We can seek wise counsel. The Bible talks about uh, the 
the faith of those who've gone before us, right? Grandparents, parents um, in our own lives, or elderly people within the church, or Christians who've kind of walked with Jesus longer than us, go to people who are wise in their faith and just say, hey, can I get some wisdom here? Here's what I'm dealing with. What do you think is the next step? Uh, And what I tell folks is when you start looking in the right places for wisdom, God promises that when you ask, he's going to give it to you. And yet... The way that God normally does not give it to us is like this sign in the heavens or right, like this audible voice emerges from the heavens. A lot of times we talk to our, our close friends, we talk to wise counsel, we look into the scriptures, we pray to God, and we just kind of end up with like, okay, I think this is what the right next step is for me. And what I love that James says is he says that when you ask for wisdom, you should believe in faith and not doubt. He says, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. You shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord. Uh, And a lot of times when we read that, we read that thinking that God will only give us wisdom if we pray like some perfect way. But I don't think that's what James is saying. I think what James is saying is that when you ask God for wisdom, and when you look into the word for wisdom, and you seek wise counsel from wisdom for wisdom, you need to trust that God's going to give it to you. And so after you do all those things that God has prescribed for a person to do to get wisdom, now your decision in front of you is to make a decision. And when it's time to make a decision, I think that's the time to believe and not doubt. To say, you know what? I did what God calls people to do. This is what seems to be the right thing to do. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to trust that I got wisdom through this process God has given me. So I would say to anyone out there who is stuck, look into the scriptures, pray about that, seek wisdom from the Lord, ask the spirit to drive you towards wisdom, talk to wise counsel, and then make a decision that's in accordance with the wisdom you've received and trust that you've done what God prescribes people to do to find wisdom. And so trust that what you're doing is the right next step. Yeah, I was just thinking about in a lot of my experiences where people will get that wisdom. They actually, they ask the right people. They pray uh, to the Lord. They go to the scriptures and they actually have the answer. They actually know what the answer is. But there's that moment, kind of like with Rahab, where there's the moment of decision, the moment where you actually uh, step out in faith, trusting that the wisdom of God is with you. And so I was just thinking even about our audience, some of you all out there listening to us. Um, there's these places where maybe you need to get uh, get advice. Maybe you need to surround yourself with wise counsel. Maybe you need to reach out. Maybe you need to get involved in a community and get with someone who's been with uh, walking with Jesus for a little longer than you have, or maybe has gone through some of the things that you've gone through. I feel like the encouragement too is to find yourself in those places, that you're in the scriptures, you're in prayer, you're surrounded in a Christian community, and you have access to the wisdom of God to help you get unstuck and make the change that God's calling you to have. Can I say one thing about where not to get wisdom? Yes. You know, I I just kind of have noticed, I don't know if the world has always been like this, but in, in our kind of American culture today, what I've noticed is that maybe the world has changed, maybe it's always been like this, but... Many of us who have friends that we talk to when we're trying to make hard decisions, uh, I've noticed that friends tend to think the right thing to do is try to figure out what you want to do and just cheer you on, right? So if I'm thinking about the guy that I met with whose wife wants to leave him even though it's not the right idea, she goes to her friends and her friends can sense that she wants to leave her husband And so there's this kind of modern concept of like, well, their job is just to empathize with her and say, wow, your marriage sounds like it's terrible. What do you want to do? She's like, well, I want to leave him. And then her friends think, oh, then it's our job to cheer her on in whatever she wants to do. 
And so I think we should just be aware that if we've got friends in our lives and they live in this culture that we live in, most likely when we bring our issues to them, they're going to think that their job as friends is to listen to us and just tell us to do what we want to do. And if you're really struggling with a decision that you want to make sure you make a wise decision, it might be worth telling your friends, hey, I need your unfiltered advice here. I don't want you to tell me what you think I want to hear. I want you to pray and I want you to tell me what you think is the right thing to do uh, because the last thing I want is to just follow the way that seems right to me if it's not wise. I think of the Proverbs that say there's a way that seems right to a person and in the end it leads to death. Um, and so often we are just wired to want to do the wrong thing. And so part of the reason we need wisdom is we need to get out of our own heads and so we need to get our friends not to just repeat what's already in our own heads. Um, although sometimes, right, our friends will come back and say, no, honestly, I think you're on the right track here, right? But that that trust piece, I think, is huge. Yeah, and it's that circle of, that's one of the things that the church has to offer. It's a place where people of every type of circumstance, age, background, and all those things, and it's a kind of this cloud of witnesses, this cloud of wisdom that we can draw on. It's, you know, not a modern phenomenon, even when you're talking about even today. I was just thinking back in, in First Kings when Solomon's son, the new king Rehoboam, like he takes the throne, and the first thing he does is he gets counsel from these these older men, these guys as wise counselors, and he just rege- and then he goes, uh, they give him some good advice, and he goes, and then Rehoboam goes and asks his buddies, like his peers, and they gave him some bad advice. And he listens to his peers, they're giving them the bad advice, and it breaks apart the kingdom of Israel. It's this crazy thing. And so that's one of the beauty, beautiful things we have in the church is access to this incredible group of believers um, that can help push us along the way. Yeah, it seems like um, oftentimes, you know, when we're in a, a moment of crisis and we really want to make a good decision, we're very careful to seek the Lord. And I think that that's good. If you, if you look at Joshua chapter 1 and Joshua chapter 2, you see that when the Israelites go to, to bring the conquest to Jericho, that's precisely what they do. They're very careful to do precisely what the Lord has called them to do, the way the Lord has prescribed them to do it. They seek God. They pray. They fast. They meet with an angel. They wrestle with this angel about what to do. They set up an altar of remembrance. They worship God. Like, they're very careful. And then God gives them this bonkers plan to march around Jericho seven times, and it works. But... On the other side of the conquest of Jericho, if you keep reading past chapter 6, you see that what happens to God's people is what happens so often. It happened to Moses in the desert, and now it's happening to them again, is after a minor or major victory, they start feeling like, okay, we got this under control, we know what we're doing, and they start kind of playing fast and loose a little bit and going outside the bounds of what God would have them to do, and that's when everything falls apart. And so my challenge for, for any of you is to, to read those stories and compare and contrast them, but... When you're wrestling and navigating a change in life, I think when you've got a big decision to make, it's going to actually be pretty easy to seek wisdom because you want to make a right decision. Part of the lesson is, how do I have the same level of diligence and spiritual kind of leaning into what the God would have me to do on the other side of that? And so that I, now that I feel like, okay, I got my legs back under me again, I don't go to God and say, okay, I got it from here, but really lean into this wisdom seeking as a muscle you're trying to grow so that in every aspect of the 10 decisions down the road, you're still being diligent to seek wise counsel from the Lord. I was thinking about, too, there's people that feel stuck. Uh, they know the change, and and they have a hard time making the change, and so we have a kind of a part of the remedy for that is seeking that wisdom. 
and really following what God has called us. But then there's people out there, I'm sure, that they, they've tried to make the change. They felt convicted about something. They know they need a change in their life, and they've stopped, started down this road of, of the change. But when they're looking at it, they're thinking about it. It's like, man, I haven't changed enough. Why do I keep falling back into this? Why do I uh, repeat a pattern of behavior? What would you say to someone that feels like they're trying and seemingly failing at changing? I would first, I'd say that's very normal. <laughs> I think that's a, you know, I think of Romans chapter seven, where Paul is kind of wrestling with this concept of, man, I, I never do the thing that I want to do and all the things I don't want to do and commit not to not doing. I keep doing those things again. He ends that chapter by saying, who will rescue me from this body of death? And I think that's a, a passage of scripture that's so, um, <laughs> I don't know, connecting or heartwarming in some way, because we feel that, right? We try to break a bad habit. We try to step into a new habit, whatever it is. We feel like God is saying, it's time to be done with this empty way of life, and we just keep getting dragged back into it again. So the first thing I would say is that's totally normal. The second thing I would say is, right, have have grace with yourself. I, I think part of the thing that we can do in those moments is, is preach the gospel to ourselves. I think sometimes we feel like, okay, God's calling me to make a change, and once I make it and have success in it, then God will accept me. And if I'm accepted by the Lord, then I'll finally be fine. But but the truth is that the gospel tells us that God has accepted us because of Jesus' righteousness, not because of ours. And so we are accepted. And so when we have this invitation from the Lord to change, it's not a change in order to get God's acceptance. It's a change because we're living for God and we want to live to please him. But I think sometimes when we get mixed up with like God's mad at me because I can't change or God will accept me when I finally do make this change, it can kind of get stuck in our heads. Right? That's why I think after Paul says, who will rescue me from this body of death? What he says in the next verse is, but praise be to God through Jesus Christ. And then we see in Romans chapter 8, it starts by saying, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. And so I think the next step from there, right? Don't, you know, this is a common thing. Preach the gospel to yourself. And then I would say, okay, try to figure out what is the role of the spirit in addressing this change that, that you want to make. Because what I notice is very absent from Romans chapter 7 is the word spirit, the spirit of God. And what I notice is very prevalent in Romans chapter 8 is the word spirit, the spirit of God. And so God has given us this helper to help us make these changes as we cling to him and, and walk with him. Right? Jesus says, abide in me and you will, will bear much fruit. So I think part of the last step that I'll give you is cling to Jesus, walk by the spirit, and trust that as you're working and walking with him, he will start to transform you whether you notice it or not, right? Sometimes I think it's important to look back and say, you know what, I haven't made any progress on this issue in a year. And then you look back and say, actually, I have, right? I'm doing it less or this thing keeps coming up. I haven't fully sacked it yet, but it, it's getting better. Or, hey, I'm learning how to relate with God along the way. Or maybe like the Apostle Paul God is allowing this thing like one of those thorns in the flesh to keep me close to him. So I would say don't give up, but also don't try to do this in your own power. Come to the Lord and say, God, I, I am powerless to make this change. I need your grace. I need to be reminded that I am forgiven and I need your spirit to help me. I need to trust that as I cling to you, you are transforming me, whether I can see the results right now or not. I found uh, just even in my own life, there's those things that you wrestle with or you're working on or that you feel conviction about. And there's those seasons where it just feels, you know, there's the kind of monotony and the drudgery and the kind of pain of trying to do that. And you don't really, 
you know, it's like when even when you're exercising, you're working out, like you don't see the change in yourself, and then one day someone notices in you, or one day you look in look in the mirror and you see something different. And I find that as I've clung and walked with Jesus, He's given me that kind of perspective. Sometimes to just look back and just say, "Hey, look where you look where you came from. Look where how far I've brought you along." And that's always this huge encouragement. So even for for all of you, as Danny just kind of said at the end there, like. Think about what where God is at work in your life. I think most people, when I ask them that question, just say like, "Hey, where do you see God at work?" Most everyone who's a follower of Jesus Christ can can identify it. They say like, "It's here. I see it in this place. I see it in my marriage. I see it in my relationship with my kids. I see it in my walk with Jesus in my daily quiet time." And I think when you have eyes for that, you grow in awareness of all the work that God's doing. That it's all kind of connected. It's all about what God's doing in you, and then through you uh, to bring the good news of the gospel through your life, through your actions, through everything that you do. And as you grow in awareness of that, uh, you're going to see that sometimes like when you feel stuck or when you feel like things aren't happening, you're going to find actually a lot of stuff's happening along the way. And I do think when when you're in a process of trying to seek change, sometimes the way God works it for whatever reason is you're like going through the motions over and over again and seeing no change. And then one day, all of a sudden, something changes. And you know, I was thinking about uh, one of my kids was, you know, before going through puberty was uh, at the weight room every day, trying to work out, trying to grow stronger, trying to like do the, you know, uh, teenage boy or preteen boy thing. And uh, it kind of lamented, man, I've been working so hard every day. I don't see any change um, from all this work that I'm doing. And I, I remember saying, hey, hey, man, like you're doing great work. This is helpful. Like you're learning these motions, you're, uh, you know, getting your body used to weight and these different types of things, and you're not pushing it too hard. I said, but what? Trust me. Once you hit puberty, it's going to be much easier for you to experience right bodybuilding like transformation uh, because your body's just not at a place where like you are literally building muscle yet, right? And so I was thinking about that when we were talking about change just now because I think a lot of times. God lets us go through this season where we're going through the motions, we're learning how to, uh, he's growing us in a bunch of, you know, we're learning the exercises of coming to him, whatever it is, but once the spirit shows up, not to say the Holy Spirit is the same as puberty, but once the spirit shows up, all of a sudden change gets catalyzed. But I would say if you're in a season where change is not being catalyzed and the spirit is not saw fit to give you healing in that area yet, the motions you're going through are still helpful motions. And the one place I'll challenge you is there's a chance that the reason you're not experiencing change is because you're trying to still do it alone. I say this because a lot of times, and I've had this in my own life, I've, I meet with people who have an area, an issue in their life that they're trying to change, they're trying to get better, and they're telling me about it. And I ask them, who else knows about this? And they say, well, I would never tell anyone. I've only told you because you know you have this confidentiality as the pastor. And and I tell them, you got to tell somebody. Because I, I think a lot of times when we try to make changes on our own in secret, there's some piece that's missing. And whether it's the the shame that comes or the vulnerability that comes by sharing our struggles, our weaknesses with another brother, another sister, or our spouse, or whatever it is, uh, something about that I have noticed really catalyzes the ability to change when, when people are just trying to struggle in the secret. It's almost like what they're doing they're tempted to do with the Lord by saying, once I get my life cleaned up, I'll come to the Lord. It's like, once I get my life cleaned up, then I'll tell my friend about a struggle I used to have. It's like, that's not how it works. Tell your friend about the struggle you're having now. And like iron sharpens iron, this one person can sharpen another. Yeah. And even kind of use this, we both use a little analogy about strengthening and, uh, and being a part of getting into habits, building up these routines and habits in our lives that create 
make a conduit for change, for God to bring change in our lives. And just one of the things I'd recommend to any of you who are listening, we have great life groups, and specifically in uh, in January, we're going to be starting up our, our Rooted small group series. And Rooted is all about the fundamentals. I was talking about like it just learning the fundamentals of the faith, the fundamentals of walking with Jesus, kind of these habits and behaviors that create air spaces for God to do a work in our lives. And so maybe that's you, you're struggling, you've been wanting to do a change. Part of change is is walking closer with God. And if that's you, if you want to be a part of that, like hop on our website, come reach out to us, um, and we'd love to get you connected into these spaces where you're going to create these habits that make a place for God to make change in your life, for Him to do a work in your life, for you to walk closely with Him, with others, to have vulnerability, and have the Holy Spirit transform your life. Um, Danny, before we close, I was just thinking at the end, um, you had this kind of tension we were holding on to of, you know, it's on the one hand, it's never too late, that God can do anything at any time, He's all-powerful, and on the other hand, sometimes it can become too late. Maybe it's uh, you kind of use the example of a, of a marriage in your sermon, just saying like sometimes like you might be, your marriage might be struggling and there's an opportunity to fix it. There's an opportunity to bring healing. There's an opportunity uh, to bring reconciliation and to make a change. And sometimes if you don't do it soon enough, that marriage may end. The person may move on. Maybe someone uh, is experiencing one of those too late moments. They 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 know they should have made a change, and now it's too late. The person's gone. Maybe they've passed away. The opportunity is just uh, dissolved. What would you What would you say to that person uh, who's just wondering that it's just if it's just too late? What's next? Yeah, I think a lot of times we're tempted to look at the past and kind of lament the the change we didn't make um, and wish we could go back and do it again, right? And you know, I'm not the person who's here to say like, well, you can't do it again, right? Just move forward. But but I, I would say that I think the invitation from the Lord changes slightly. When you're on the other side of of is it too late or not, um, to more of a stewardship, right? In that sense, stewardship is this word of everything we have belongs to God, and so we should use it in a way that glorifies Him. I think the question you could ask if you're in that place is, God, what do you want me to do with this? Again, my my marriage fall, fell apart, and my wife moved on and married someone else. What do you want me to do with this? Is there a learning for me in here? Is there a way that you want me to navigate life on the other side of this? Are there lessons for me? How do you want me to live my life in light of what I've gone through? Right? I don't want to just pretend like that never happened. I don't want to be stuck like that ruined my life forever. I need to move on. But how do I move forward mindfully of the lessons you've had for me in this season? And so maybe that's journaling. Maybe, again, that's seeking wise counsel. Maybe that's just saying, you know what? I'm I'm just going to get to this point where I forgive myself or I forgive this person, whatever the context is, and and, and I'm not just going to move on, forgive and forget. I'm going to go to the Lord and say, God, I, I want my life to be different based on what I've gone through. Um, how would you invite me to step differently into this next season in light of what I've learned in the last one? Well, Danny, thanks for sharing that. I was just thinking, reflecting on on this, this person we were focused on in your sermon, Rahab, a, a woman who... You know, she was part of these people that were enemies of God. They were full of the scriptures tell us they were full of wickedness, and this is part of this judgment of God as He's bringing His people into the land to bring, uh, to bring righteousness, to bring to bring a change. And Rahab, again, like we're doing the sacred scandal series, and she's scandalous in terms of her profession, in terms of what she did. But what's remarkable about, about her in the story is she is just a paragon of faithfulness. She's a paragon of the willingness to trust God. She sees the change that needs to be made, and she steps into the change faithfully. She doesn't wait too long. She gets—it's never too late for her, 
and she finds rescue and a place in the story of God, the kingly line of David, and ultimately to Jesus the Christ. Um, and so for you all out there, we just we thank you for being a part of this and part of what God is doing. We want to encourage you. Maybe there's a change that you need to make. Um, we want to be a part of partnering with you to make that change. Maybe you need to get involved into a group. Maybe you need to uh, speak with one of us. Maybe you need to find support, wisdom. You need prayer. We, we're here for you, and we're here to make that happen. We're a church community that loves to see God bring transformation, to bring change in the lives of people. So, Danny, thanks for being with us this week. And, uh, yeah, is there anything you wanted to say to close out? I just encourage you all to be strong and courageous. That is the theme of Joshua. And if you're thinking, man, I'm not the strong and courageous type, like Ryan just said, uh, like you just said, Ryan, I, I, uh, I think of that case study of Rahab, that in a book about military efforts, in a book that seems like, right, this phrase, be strong and courageous, is directed at these mighty warrior men of Israel. The hero of this book is the unlikely hero. It's a, it's a, a female Canaanite prostitute who has nothing, no military power, nothing to offer except for submission to the Lord. And when she takes the courage to do the right thing before the Lord, she becomes the strong and courageous one that this book is written about. And she becomes, like I said before, the great, great grandmother of the strong and courageous one with a capital O, Jesus. And so whoever you are, whatever your background, in whatever you need strength and courage, God can use you and his spirit can give you that strength, give you that courage to make the change he's calling you into. Well, thank you, Danny. Thanks you all for joining us. Uh, hey, we have so much amazing things happening up here. Maybe you're looking for just a little respite, a little time away, time for family. We have our ice skating rink. You can go to threecrosseschristmasvillage.com and sign up for that. Uh, you can join us on our every single Sunday. We'd love to see you and get more connected with you. We have our Christmas Eve services on Christmas Eve, Sunday, the uh, 24th at 8, 10, uh, 12 and 2. I nailed it. And we'd love to see you there. Invite some friends and bring some people out. Thanks, and we'll see you guys all on Sunday, and we'll see you back here next week. Bye.